Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Welcome, everybody, and thank you very much for coming to the Marketing Your Enterprise session today. Today's session is really around what we're all here for, which is social enterprise, but how can we market social enterprise effectively? And behind great social enterprises are great brands. So my name's Tom Allen, and we have an excellent panel of presenters up here today as well, which is Cinnamon Evans from Ceres, who I'll introduce in a little bit more detail in a second. And we also have Kat Harding and Marty Brown from Pony Up For Good. To kick things off, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people, the land that we gather on today, and pay my respect to the elders past, present, and emerging. And also recognize that these spaces around here have all, always been places of learning and teaching and, and sharing, and, uh, and it's great to be working in that same capacity here today. I just thought it'd be quick before we start to to think about some of the reflections from some of the interviews that we've run, and also some of the some of the accelerator programs and capacity building programs that Impact Boom has run with a range of different social enterprises around Australia. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think about one of your best friends, someone who you've known for a long time. So this is not someone you know, that you met six months ago, but perhaps someone that you met. Okay? And think about the first moment that you met that person. What was it like when you met that person for the first time? When you shook their hand or gave them a hug, was there a warm intro through other friends? Was it in the school playground? What did that feel like for you to meet that person? Initially, there might have been some excitement there. Initially, there was a connection with this person. You felt good. You felt, you felt like, like there was you know, a strong possibility of this person becoming a long-term friend. And I'll keep telling this story. This is a story that Leanne Farnworth who we do a little bit of work with as a mentor in our programs, tells quite commonly, but she says that over time, when you met the same person again, how did it feel then? Why was it that over time you built a relationship with that particular person? What were those actions which helped solidify that particular relationship? And perhaps there's other relationships you can think of where something went wrong and someone dropped off the radar. Because when it comes to marketing your enterprises and building solid brands, it's very, very similar to the sort of human relationships that we have and form in our daily lives. Particularly the good ones are like those that are of those, those long-term best friends. And what I mean by that is that marketing goes much, much further than some great Twitter or Facebook accounts or a snazzy logo. Typically when people think of marketing, I don't know whether all of you agree, and we can reflect on this a little bit later, but 
a lot of the, the, the enterprises I work with typically jump straight into the social media and the branding element of things and the logo and getting the feel in that way. But it's important for us to reflect that if we're to market our enterprises effectively, we need to come back to those, those authentic relationships, just like the relationships that you have with your good friends. Over time, you see that those people are authentic. They are authentic in who they are, what their values are, and how they talk, and what you expect of them. They are consistent over time. You come to expect something of that particular person, and as you meet them again and again and again, well, their values will, and behaviours will, will remain very similar. And they are trustworthy. You build trust with those people. So coming back to marketing extending much beyond our social media and our websites, our marketing exists in all our interactions, in all our outward-facing communications with our stakeholders, with our staff. I mean, Sally Quinn today was talking about a great example of culture where she said her staff were proud to be wearing the uniforms. It's a culture that emerges. It's in the way that you respond to emails. The sort of conversations you have over coffee. This is all marketing for your enterprise. And so those are the starting words that I wanted to kick off with today before we jump over to Cinnamon Evans. Now, Cinnamon Evans is the CEO of Ceres which is a Melbourne icon and I'm sure all of you are very, very familiar with. It's known around the world for embodying what is possible when communities come together to support more sustainable and just ways of living. Through Cinnamon's leadership, Ceres has developed an integrated suite of 13 social enterprises that enable customers to engage with and inhabit a more sustainable and just world. Ceres is now 95% self-funded through their social enterprises and remains a collaborative community organisation. Cinnamon is also the current chairperson of Senvic. So there's lots of great stories I'm sure that Cinnamon will share with us today uh, about marketing for Siri. So let's make Cinnamon welcome to the stage. Uh, thanks very much, Tom, and good morning, everyone. Um, as Tom said, I'm the CEO of Ceres and also the chairperson of Senvic. Ceres has both a narrative director and a communications manager in our team, and both of these lovely people, one of whom is in fact here today taking a photo of me standing here, um, both of these lovely people would be um, far better qualified than I to talk to you about Ceres marketing. However, as CEO, I have travelled the journey alongside of them and I consulted our narrative director um, in preparing my presentation today. And so I'll share a few stories with you and also four particular lessons that we have learned as an organisation. So lesson number one is around narrative. So as Tom said, Ceres is very well known across Melbourne. Hands up who is familiar with Ceres organisation, a majority of people in the room. So it's quite hard to explain Ceres in an elevator pitch. We are many, many things to many people. So we're a public park, we're probably best known as a public park, with all sorts of demonstrations about sustainable and regenerative living, and with a variety of facilities that the community can use. 
We're also Victoria's leading provider of environmental education programs for all ages, from bush kinder to school excursions, teacher professional development, permaculture and urban farming courses, weekend workshops, the list goes on, and we continue to think about ways that we can expand our sustainability education and training offerings. And as Tom said, we are financially sustainable through our social enterprises, which trade in organic food, permaculture plants and farm-grown timber, along with the on-site um, facilities that we have. So all of this activity has developed incrementally over nearly 40 years into the diversity of offerings that exist today. For many, many years, we struggled to find a narrative that explained series that was big enough to include all of these things, but which was also still meaningful. So here are some examples of some of the ways we've tried to explain ourselves in the past, including uh, the one that you just read out earlier. Uh, Ceres is a place which exists to initiate and support environmental sustainability and social equity with an emphasis on cultural richness and community participation. Well, that's a matter of fact description, but I don't find it very uplifting. I'm not sure about you, but... So in a similar vein, we also have Ceres is a place for community-based learning and action to create environmentally beneficial, socially just, economically satisfying, culturally enriching and spiritually nurturing ways of living together. Very wordy, very long. It's a bit better, but I still don't find it very compelling. Ceres is a place where people come together to share ideas about living well together and directly participate in meeting their social and material needs in a sustainable way. That's okay. Um, Ceres is a model of positive solution-oriented practices. Well, maybe, but we're, we're also more than that. And finally, Ceres is creating a new way of being. But that one's a bit awkward, because are we really creating a new way of being? Can we really claim that? What does that even mean? So two years ago, I was in Melbourne Airport with Chris Ennis, one of my team, on our way to the Social Enterprise World Forum in Christchurch. It was early morning, and we were waiting uh, in the departure lounge. And I was moaning, as I often do, about how I feel the root cause of all of our social and environmental problems is our profound disconnection from the earth and from each other. And Chris said to me, say that in the positive. And so I said, we need to fall in love with the earth again. And there it was. It took us years. It's not wordsmithed. It's not from an intellectual place. It's a deep truth about why we exist as an organisation and why we do the work that we do. And I was a bit hesitant initially because it's a little bit different, um, but everyone seems to get it. Everyone I started saying it to, um, presented it to, kind of looked and said, nodded and said, yeah, we need to fall in love with the earth again. And so the lesson in this um, part of my presentation is have a clear narrative that sets out your underlying social and or environmental purpose in a compelling way. Why do you do what you do? And is it for easy for people to understand what that is? Because often our organisations are complex. Can you make it easy to understand? So lesson number two is about brand. 
So as I mentioned, Ceres has grown over 40 years into the diverse and complex organisation that it is now. And because of this incremental growth, we ended up with multiple brands. Talk about brand dilution. So the big one in the middle is our previous brand, which we'd had for maybe 20 years. On the right, there are some varieties that had um, sprung from that. And on the left, some that were completely different altogether. So we were trading under all of these brands. And because of limited funds, our centralised communication and marketing resource was small, which meant that each enterprise had to market itself, which gave each manager of each enterprise full creative licence to create their own brand and their own brand identity. And over time, they became very attached to those brands. But we knew that we were on the wrong path and it was only going to lead to um, further dilution and also that it wouldn't fix ourselves itself. We had to actually take some action. So it was time to bring in the experts. And last year, we were very fortunate to have pro bono support from Seesaw, who are an award-winning branding agency. And they undertook a comprehensive consultation process and re really took the time to understand us, uh, which I feel very grateful for. And they gave us this brand. I'll just show you some examples. So that's the primary brand. And then all of the sub-brands that go with it. So each part of series still gets its own identity, but we have a consistent image. So it was immediately accepted by all of the people, which is amazing. And it's a joy to be able to communicate our diversity under a single brand. So the lesson here is have a consistent and recognisable brand. Lesson number three is about heroes. Similarly to when you meet people for the first time, imagine that you're at a party and you meet someone and they only talk about themselves. It's not very interesting. Well, it's maybe it's interesting for a while and then it's not very interesting. So don't always talk about yourself. Fortunately, as social enterprises, we're not in it for ourselves. There are plenty of other people to talk about and raise up. Promote other people's good stories and good work. Your, those of your audience, those of your beneficiaries, those of your partners and supporters, and also provide context. Talk about your purpose. What is your reason for being? What is the bigger picture that your organisation is involved in? So even when we talk about social enterprise, we can talk about the bigger picture. Social enterprise is not an end in itself. We're all walk, working towards a just, inclusive and sustainable society. So how does what you're doing support that movement? So the lesson here is don't always be the hero of your own story. Raise up the people around you. Make it about you and all your audience, beneficiaries, partners and supporters and even better, make it about all of us. And finally, conversation. These days, marketing is no longer about simply broadcasting. It's more about having a conversation with your audience. Going back to the party analogy, don't just talk about yourself. Give space for the other person to talk to. Ask them questions. And be honest and authentic. Talk about your failures as well as your successes. At Ceres, we have an ongoing conversation across a number of channels, including our website and social media channels, with people who are vegan. People who are vegan are often very, very passionate about B 
being vegan. I'm personally not vegan, but I absolutely respect and admire um, their choices. Siri sells and serves organic dairy products and a limited range of organic meat products. And we regularly get very, very public feedback that, is not, that that's not acceptable to some people. Even among our staff, there are very, very divergent views. And we feel that our role is to allow space for the conversation. This conversation and many others, as we co-create the future, we need to do that with our community in the conversation. And at some point, we may choose to change our business practice. At this point, we're sticking with our current business practice. But at some point, we may change it um, in response to feedback from the community. So sometimes, communication with your community leads you down a path that must lead to change. So be prepared to change if you need to and if you want to. So this lesson is about having honest and authentic conversations and being responsive to feedback from your community. So in conclusion, as Tom said, communications is not something that happens separately and later on. It's at the core of your business. Everything you do is a communications activity, from the stories that you tell to the way that you interact with your community. So have a compelling narrative. Have a recognisable brand. Raise up the people around you and have honest and authentic conversations about how we like the world to be. Work together with your community, our broader community, for a just, inclusive, sustainable economy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Cinnamon. That was wonderful. Having those authentic conversations was a highlight that you really, you really brought out there. And something else that came to mind was a quote by Reid Hoffman, who's the founder of LinkedIn. And he says, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So it comes back to, the, I believe, that, that behaviour. Now, next up, we have the co-founders of Pony Up For Good, Marty Brown. Marty is a trained behavioural specialist and marketer and has worked as the head of people and culture with TEDx Melbourne and in her own consultancy helped businesses develop strategies and standards for their own workplace cultures. Marty has 15 plus years experience leading teams as a senior marketer across tourism, hospitality and HR in both Australia and North America. We also have Kat Harding. Kat Harding is a communications and project management professional with over 20 years experience across a multitude of industries. She has launched music careers, dressed 20,000 people for the Commonwealth Games, and she's also managed communications projects for London Underground, Pacific Brands, City Power and Power Core. So let's welcome both Marty and Kat to the stage. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Can I just repeat that um, uh, a little exercise that Cinnamon did earlier and see if anyone knows or who has heard of Pony Up For Good? All right, we've still got some work to do. All right. So just to give you a little bit of background about who we are and um, how we came about this so that you can understand a little bit more about how we approached our narrative. Um, Kat and I had known each other for many years. We had, I guess, shared 
one of those um, same values in life where we, we had the same irksome feeling that we never wanted to be asleep at the wheel. Um, we had spent, as you just heard, several years in internal communications and marketing for large corporates and um, subsequently had our souls sucked out through our fingernails. Um, and so um, at, at some point in time, we, we both decided that we wanted to work together and we wanted to do something that was bigger than ourselves. Um, off to the side, I had been working as a volunteer for a Cambodian charity for the last seven years um, and had been taking old tech or decommissioned technology from my husband's business and selling it and donating the proceeds to, um, to this charity. And... Uh, had a, had a bit of a three o'clock insomniatic moment one night when we were looking at ideas and thought, well, hell, that's one organisation keeping technology out of landfill. What is everybody else doing? And so we threw ourselves into the research. Um, For the record, and what we knew about uh, secondhand technology could fit on the back of a matchbox. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we threw ourselves into that research and we found out that Australia is importing over 35 million pieces of technology into the country every year. Um, and we're also responsible for landfilling globally um, over 20 million tonnes of technology going into our land, going into our soil, going into our waterways, um, some pretty bloody noxious chemicals going into there. So we came up with, this was enough to inspire us, so we came up with our, our business model, Pony Up For Good. It is a social enterprise. Um, to give you a very brief overview, because um, we're going to explain a lot of the moving parts of this as we go on, is... Um, we work with big businesses across Australia. They donate their decommissioned technology to us. We data erase it to Department of Defence Standard. We provide asset registers. We keep it out of landfill. We uh, reuse in line with the EPS and um, we donate 50% of our profits to Second Bite, who is a, is a major food rescue charity here in Australia. So when we were um, building our business model, um, we sort of knew that the technology out of landfill was the sort of the first thing that we wanted to address. Um, and the question then came, who do we donate 50% of our profits to? And when we sat and looked at what was our core motivation around the technology, it was about keeping things out of landfill. Um, and we felt that food rescue was a really natural um, leaning because it was about keeping food out of landfill. Um, and when we started to look into the stats, what we discovered is that $4 billion worth of food in Australia alone goes into landfill every year, um, while 4 million Australians go hungry. So here we've got all of this food that creates not just your standard gases, but your mega gases um, that are really creating um, a, a, a environmental devastation. And there are people that are going without food that could have eaten that food. So it's, uh, you know, it's something that just doesn't made, make sense. And so that was why we launched um, our partnership with Second Bite. Um, last year alone, they rescued just shy of 14 million kilograms of uh, fresh food. They are fundamentally a, uh, a logistics uh, not-for-profit. And what they do is they collect food from supermarkets, markets. They partner with Coles primarily, uh, but they also work with Woolies and Aldi. And um, and then what they do is they re-divert that food to um, community groups, 1,300 of them across the country. Um, and then those community groups distribute the food to people who need it. Um, it also saves the community groups up to $30 million a year, um, which they get to then spend on other things. Uh, so they get to spend that on emergency housing and um, medical um, assistance and, and other things that people... Who 
um, who are currently going without um, might need. They, they feed 75,000 people every day using something that would otherwise end up in landfill. So they're pretty amazing. So in the past three years that we have been trading, Pony Up For Good has kept almost 140,000 kilos of technology out of landfill with the assistance of our our business partners, our business customers. We've been able to reuse uh, over 43% of this technology, which is, I think, a pretty great number. Um, and we are about to click over our 300,000th fresh meal donation to Second Bite. Our mission by the end of next year, and we've been strapping several boat motors to ourselves to in order to do this, um, is to keep one million kilos of technology out of landfill by the end of 2020 and to be able to donate one million meals. When we look at this report here, this is reflective of the report that every client receives for every tech collection that we pick up. So essentially, when an organisation donates technology to us, they also receive data erasure certificates. They also receive um, asset registers, but they receive this metric, and this metric is really important in providing a purpose for our clients to keep their eye on the target and know why they have engaged with us and know that they're part of something bigger as part of their own brand culture and their own brand legacy as well. So every client gets an updated summary of this report every time they collect technology for us. Am I going to jump into it a little bit more, but um, you know that. These statistics are a point of pride with our clients. They share them with their stakeholders. They're in their annual reports every year. Um, and most importantly, they share them with their employees, um, which is primarily one of the reasons that they enjoy working with social enterprises is that the stories um, and the uh, the culture that they can build and the values that they can build within their business. Um, so being able to have something tangible um, and real that we can share with our, um, our clients has been something that's really helped us gain traction with some, some big businesses. So um, just when we started the business, um, one of the, the things that we really needed to, um, to understand was what motivates the people that we'd like to work with. Um, we've been incredibly fortunate um, in, in our client acquisitions. Uh, we're currently working with Australia Post, uh, with Telstra. We're working with some various Victorian government departments, uh, McConnell Dow. Um, and, the, and the reason that we've been able to gain traction with some of those businesses is by understanding what motivates them. And there are a number of different things, and I'm sure it'll be different for each and every one of you and the, and the clients that you're looking to work with, but we know primarily the, uh, the areas that they're looking to fulfil is environmental, employment outcomes, uh, a lot of people are working to the UN Sustainability Development Goals, um, have social procurement spend targets that you can help them achieve. Um, and so it's really important to spend some time before you um, engage with any client to understand what's motivating them. So if you are able to understand a business overarching strategy, and you can do that by looking at their website, by looking at their annual reports, and by understanding what motivates them, what you'll achieve is, is that you'll understand at a senior level what they are measuring and what they are looking to achieve. And if you can walk into a business and say, I know that you're trying to keep you've got a zero waste target, we can help you achieve that, you are automatically going to be in a position where you can move quickly up the chain because they understand the value that you will bring to their business for something that they are already looking to achieve. Um, and I think that that's been the, the, probably the, the underlying success in, in that we've had in the businesses that we've worked with is knowing what are they looking to achieve and how can we help them get there. 
Oh, actually, just before I move on, I did want to give a quick example of that. That was the Victorian government, which was um, uh, one of the key clients we've been sort of seeking to work with. Uh, we know that the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning has an e-waste to landfill ban that they've implemented from July 1st, so we've been able to navigate through into that department. We know that there's a social procurement framework, so we've made, you know, we ensure, as you all do, uh, that we are social traders certified, meaning that any spend with us can contribute to that, and uh, and we're about to embark upon some work with them in the social, uh, sorry, the circular economy space as well. I think a really great example of this is one of our clients, um, SXIQ, and if, if I can paint a picture about um, using what you have to offer to provide a really relevant service to your clients, this is really at the core of where your marketing becomes valuable and where it becomes relevant and you you have a partnership that is sustainable and long-term. So we have a, a client by the name of SXIQ. Um, they're a IT and managed services organisation. Their CEO, when he took over this business, was doing a round of um, cultural workshops with his team and really understanding what was going to be their legacy moving forward. He had this opportunity to build that right from the start. Um, and we were fortunate enough to meet him right at that point in time. And some of the amazing things that we've been able to do to provide purpose to his business is we've set up volunteer days at Second Bite for his team. Um, some of the really measurable aspects of this is that a lot of their tender processes now with their sales team, they have to have an environmental and community outcome as part of that end of life of their technology. So we are that solution for them and it's winning them business. Um, we are doing dual speaking opportunities such as this. Um, we spoke at a, a large health informatics conference together last week. So it's making yourself part of their business and this valuable part of their business culture and helping them to create a brand legacy because I think sometimes a lot of organisations like to outsource their thinking around how can they engage their team? How can they engage their brand in something that is worthwhile? If you can make that really easy for them and have something that just clicks into their business as usual, that means it's not a lot of work, it's not a lot of overkill. Um, they don't have to spend a lot of time out of the business. Make it simple, make it part of their business as usual um, and you're absolutely onto a winner. And this is sort of part of... I mean, we have a lot of, we do a lot of um, promotional work on top of all of this, but I think the main success for us is really um, getting ourselves into people's business as usual processes, and that's been what the partnership success has looked like. Yeah. And one of the ways that's been really successful is by working with those clients to set their own unique and individual targets um, and then helping them measure that. Um, and that's a really great way to engage and get the teams on board. Um, so SXIQ, we've set... Um, volunteer targets for the amount of hours that their staff have volunteered out at Second Bite. We've sent um, targets for um, the number of meals that we've been able to deliver through their through our partnership with SXIQ. We're now working with Census, Red Energy, City West Water. You know, they're bringing us clients because their team are motivated to reach these targets. Um, and, and, and taking a certain pride in being able to deliver something that they can go home to their families and say, hey, I'm working on this project and it's not just an IT project, but we 
We fed 20,000 people on this upgrade program that we did. Um, and it's, it's something really real and really tangible that when they go home at the end of the day, they haven't just done that, but they've given back as well. So we get to share that sense of social enterprise and that sense of giving back with the people that we work with. And that's where setting targets and measuring outcomes becomes so valuable because people feel a part of it um, and they are motivated by a, a journey and an experience that they can take together. And to that end, the journey. The most important thing that you can have that will underpin all of the communications and all of the marketing that you do is your journey. Every book and every movie that you've ever loved in your life has a protagonist and they have a journey to a point. So if you set a target and then you take your clients and your customers and your stakeholders on that journey with you, you will have an engagement level that will, it will engage people. As Cinnamon said it really well earlier, don't just talk about yourself, but talk about the journey. So the journey can be... Who are the people that you're working with? What are the wins that you've had? What are the challenges that you had? Who are the characters that are working or volunteering on the site? Who are the, what are the, what are the locations? What's the back history to that? And when you start to build all of those pieces, you'll have a social media strategy that tells the story from beginning to end that people will be interested in um, because it's real and it's vulnerable and it's authentic. Um, and people will be engaged in the, the process from getting from A to B. We talk about our million kilos and our million meals and that's, that's kind of the theme that sits in the middle of our journey but we also like to talk about second bite because that's the real stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And storytelling along the way is, is really important. Yep. Who are the characters in the factory that are sorting their food on the day-to-day -day basis? Um, who are the people that are getting up at six o'clock in the morning with their kids to show them um, that they can go to the market and collect fresh food to help feed people? Um, you know, why are they doing this? So tell those those beautiful little stories and help really engage people along the way because it helps to um, create that, that loyalty and that engagement, you know, really for the long term. And, and also talking about the things that are hard um, brings a, sen a sense of authenticity as well. I think it's really important that everything isn't shiny because some days it's hard um, and, 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 then to, and also celebrate the wins. Um, so when you, when you hit a milestone, make sure that everybody who's been a part of it knows that they've been a part of it and knows that they've helped you get to, uh, from point A to point B. Thanks very much, Marty and Kat. That was wonderful. And the key thing I got from that was really about that shared purpose with your audience, understanding their needs and also having the metrics and measurement to help, help them understand how they can reach their goals. So we're going to move to audience Q&A. So I might jump off the stage and, and bring a mic down to you. So who would like to ask the first question? Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, to what extent do you think it's important to market the social enterprise component of social enterprise as part of your story. Because it's one of those things where, because we want to, to understand what our customers and stakeholders want, but sometimes that stake, the, the social enterprise part doesn't necessarily need to fit into that, or I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I think if we're talking about outcomes, we, we often get asked um, and um, interviewed quite heavily about where does our money go and, and you know, how does our business model work? Um, and we're, we're incredibly transparent about that. Um, I, I don't think we ever leave the social enterprise part of it out because it's the leverage point of what we're able to, of how we're able to create outcomes. I don't have a differing opinion about why you would leave it out. Yeah, I think it, 
Uh, depends on audience. So as a whole organisation, um, when I explain series, I say we're three things. We're a park, we're sustainable through our social enterprises and we have education and training programs. They're the three things that we do. Um, and for me, that feels important in telling the whole story of series. However, our largest single social enterprise, Series Fair Food, is an online organic supermarket. And we have discovered over 10 years of trading that uh, we absolutely have to compete on price, convenience and quality and that story is secondary to that customer segment. So whilst people will stay with us because of story, um, they will definitely leave us if we're not competing you know, on a level playing field with everybody else, uh, or, you know, the non-organic non um, suppliers and non-social enterprise suppliers. So that customer segment, social enterprise is not a thing of significance, but telling the whole story of the whole organisation, that is. So yes and no from me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, next up we have Min. Hi, I'm Min. I'm from the Australian Social Value Bank and I really love the way that you had the infographics kind of, you know, saying what your outcomes were and I think that's sort of where we are in the sector, in the space. Um, part of what we do is trying to translate that social impact into dollar terms and it's not just about selling the story. There's lots of other reasons, you know, around funding and, and making the case and all those sorts of things around cost effectiveness. But I guess I'm interested to hear your perspective on actually you know, going to that next step and translating outcomes into dollar impact and whether you think that would, you know, add to your case or whether you see that as just not being necessary. But if, for example, like, you know, with your saving from landfill and then your meals and those sorts of things, if you could aggregate all that up and give a dollar figure and say, well, we've actually created this much impact, whether that would actually strengthen the case and whether you think that is a, a good move or not. Um, so we work with a number of clients that are London Benchmarking Group, um, and one of the way that they, one of the ways that they measure their outcomes is financial, um, and we do translate some of our outcomes into financial. But Marty and I made a very firm decision when we started pony up that that's not how we wanted to talk about our impact. So it's not that we're not able to do it; it's that we choose not to. We want to talk to clients about people sitting at a table and eating a meal um, and we felt that that was a more tangible thing for the people that we work with um, and the stories that they are looking to tell. So yeah, look, in some rare cases we do do it and we are able to do it but we choose not to because we feel that steps away from the narrative that we'd like to tell around the impact that we make in the feeding of people and the keeping of technology out of landfill. Do you think that will change as the impact social enterprise space becomes greater and you are there's more competition about um, you know the impact you're creating and being kind of compared so for example you know with your food banks you know first second bite sorry and food yep. banks and those sorts of things whether that would strengthen or weaken it in terms of then you can become a collective and start to add and say well you know all of us together we've created this amount of social impact because it's all in the same terms do you think that will have any mm. sort of I think if it adds value to the narrative and it adds value to the story, I have no problem in that. We're a pretty transparent organisation. And yeah, look, we're, we're always looking to evolve. We're looking at the moment um, in where we want to be in two years' time. Um, and that absolutely includes more collaborative partnerships and 
if it makes sense at the time to talk about the dollar because that is what the audience needs to hear or that is um, what is going to help leverage something else for us. No problem in doing that. Um, for us at the moment, at this point in time, the, the meal outcomes always just keeps us connected to that that meals outcome narrative and the stories. Um, so yeah, but absolutely, if, if it needs to change, we would, yeah. So Ceres hasn't had a lot of resourcing to do even basic impact measurement, um, but if we had the time and space and resources, I would love to do an economic impact assessment. I think that that would be amazing. And I also think that it is important that we um, are able to demonstrate how social enterprise is a piece of the puzzle with respect to um, economic change, economic system change. And so therefore, I do think it is important individually and also collectively as a sector that we can demonstrate how we are contributing to that movement towards, well, I think of it as away from globalisation and toward localisation. And I think social enterprise is a key part of that. So let's raise up that narrative. Some great points and thank you for the question, Min. We have time for one final question. Hi, I'm, I'm David from Goodwill Wine. You'd mentioned that employment outcomes was something that your clients were engaged with or they liked that aspect. Um, does that mean you're employing from disadvantaged sectors of the community? Sorry, that was that was something that we... It is an area that we have looked at. It isn't an area that we work in at the moment. We did um, start to embark upon a program of work um, a little while ago um, around that, but that was kind of just a list of some of the things that your clients might be looking for. It's not specifically something that we do. Oh, okay. Um, how, how about at Ceres? Uh, is, is that something that you're doing? Uh, we do employ some people from um, some disadvantaged cohorts, yes. I was kind of interested that perhaps you might be because I'm, I've just started doing that within, within my social enterprise and I'm trying to work out on, on a marketing level actually what is more powerful to the consumer. Is it the fact that you know, you've donated X amount of dollars? Is it the fact that you've rehomed or fed or is it the fact that you're employing people who might otherwise have difficulty getting employment? Um, if I can answer that, there's probably two parts to that that answer. One of the opportunities that we explored recently in Geelong was to work with um, G21 um, and the city of Geelong. They have some very adept targets at the moment around employment, um, given they're one of the most... Um, they have some of the most highest um, unemployment rates in, in the state or in Australia for that matter. We were looking at opportunities to partner with them where we could employ people in the region. So I think the, the first part of that is partnering with councils and areas that have targets that can help you leverage your own impact but then also um, obviously look at who are the other organisations that you can tap into to help the people in that community. So um, I think it's also about looking at bringing community together but bringing council, bringing government together. Who else is motivated to those same targets as you and how can you work together to bring that? Yeah, that's Does that make what sense? What I was going to say is it's really about finding the people for whom those targets will motivate them. Um, you know, and, and, and knowing that if that's the thing that you're delivering, then who are you looking to target? Because that is going to be the thing that's going to help them get where they're going. Um, and, and understanding that when you approach 
um, a potential client or customer or whatever it is, that that's the thing that's going to motivate them because they are measuring it and they, they know that they are here and they want to be here. And when you walk into that conversation and you say, I know you're trying to get to here, this is how I can help you get there, that's when your conversation will really start to kick. I think that's a wonderful point to end on. So if we can please thank Marty, Kat and Cinnamon for your thoughts. Very much appreciated. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.